welcome back to The Tech Between Us. We're continuing our conversation about matter with Chris LaPrey, Chief Technical Officer for the Connectivity Standards Alliance. To catch up on part one of our conversation, visit our Empowering Innovation Together page. Let's speak a little bit more to our engineer listeners, specifically the ones who are going to be creating these new products. How would an engineer or even a company get started with Matter? We have open implementation. We call it the SDK. It's sitting right there on GitHub. The whole SDK has been developed in the open, so it's actually been published since January of 2020. We published it, and we've been doing everything out in the open in terms of this SDK development. As of October, that was finalized. There is a label you can sync to that's the 1.0 release, and you can even see what's going in there for 1.1. So that's the first place to look. You can go there and get all the code for some of the simpler types of devices. My team's working on some videos and some documentation for how to go to the more complicated devices or even how to go to manufacturer-specific devices, the Matter Fireplace. For example, if someone's out there that wants to build that Matter Fireplace, reach out to me about uh, what your Matter Fireplace could do. And, the sine wave. Uh, and imagine a GIF in front of the sine wave. If, what would you want to be burning in your fireplace? You could imagine lots of fun things there. But seriously. Uh, <laughs> We should start doing this. You and I can build this tomorrow, right? Absolutely. So those kinds of videos are all coming. The SDK is there. You can grab it and you certainly build a light bulb tomorrow. Smart plugs are really easy to go about building. Some of the more complicated devices might take some hoops to jump through, but we're here to help you figure that out. I said we're creating videos and other things to to take those steps to more complicated devices. And then also the spec itself is available for download on our website, csa-iot.org. As you change that code, you can make sure that you're staying compliant. That's how you get started. You do need to join in the certified devices, but we want sure. that to be the last step you take. Uh, if you're okay. just building a light bulb, you should be able to know 100% your light bulb works, it's there, it's solid, how to test it and everything is all right there. And then when you want to certify that light bulb, that's when you can join in, certify that device, and then put it to market. The specifications open source, all the codes open source. Somebody just go up there, grab it, download it, begin playing with it. When they really have something ready to go, they join the org and and they're off and running. So it seems pretty straightforward. Just tweak one word there. The spec okay. isn't technically open source. The spec is published to the world. The okay. It's developed under our internal processes so that you do need to be a member to help us change the spec. But SDK is open source, so you can make recommendations as you see fit on that side. But then for new device type, you want to join in and, and work with us on the okay. requirements uh, for those new device types. That would be much better done as, as a member. Appreciate the clarification. I think that's an important distinction. You had mentioned the Zigbee Alliance that you guys were previously the Zigbee Alliance. Is Zigbee the root of matter? In other words, do engineers need to know the ins and outs of Zigbee to be able to design for matter? Not the ins and outs of Zigbee. Zigbee is a full stack, 802.15.4 at the bottom. Right. What we call the Zigbee cluster library or the data model at the top. Right. Um, Matter as it is today has nothing to do with Zigbee as a networking standard. Matter supports Wi-Fi and Thread. Thread is related to Zigbee in that it's also 802.15.4, but it is IP routing with 15.4 underneath. And there is a Thread group that's responsible for that that's separate from us. But then the data model on top, the Zigbee cluster library, is the basis for what Matter uses in terms of how we structure what a device type is and what that device type can do. There is a strong similarity to what Zigbee does there, but we have made some enhancements to that. We're also porting back to Zigbee, so it is still the same data model. I certainly wouldn't say if you don't know Zigbee and you want to learn Matter, 
you don't need to learn Zigbee first. You can just learn Matter. Sort so of directly. jump right into Matter. Yeah. But if you do know Zigbee already, then certainly jumping into Matter, that knowledge will help you. And even more so if you already right. know Wi-Fi and you already know Thread, those three pieces of knowledge will certainly carry forward into your Matter experience. You had mentioned 802.15.4 as the foundation for Matter. Where does Matter fit within that OSI model? What levels does the stack live? 802.15.4 is the basis for Zigbee and Thread. Matter lives above UDP, so above okay. layer 3, and it relies on some other transport. Right now, what we support is Wi-Fi and Thread for UDP transport. We do not support TCP right now. And okay. so Matter is basically everything above that. It doesn't really fit nicely okay. with the OSI model because there's no user experience layer. Layers 5, 6, and 7 are all sort of muddled here because it's the button <laughs> or door lock is the right. interface. We want that interface to mimic what people are used to as a door lock. I think there are some companies that are thinking, oh, we can invent the door lock or we can reinvent the thermostat. But presently, it's what you're used to. And that's like the whole interface layer. What is that top layer? The application layer? Yeah, that is hardware in most of our cases, or something that the phone is implementing on the controller side. It's an app or something like that. You interface to those, but you're not part of the design. Not directly, but we do have really tight alliances with both the Thread Group and the Wi-Fi Alliance. And in both cases, we've given them some feedback about what we want for IoT devices, and they've okay. been very responsive. We're really excited about this work they've sort of finished up and we're working to add in terms of battery support on the thread side and then pairing support right. on the Wi-Fi side. All of that's quite a ways out on our engineering mm -hmm. roadmap, but it has, like I said, been a really great interaction with both of those groups to get where we are today and where we're seeing the future. So really the foundation for new stuff is all in place and it's just waiting to get on the train at some point in time. Yep, exactly. You mentioned working groups earlier. What working groups do you currently have going on in the CSA? Are there specific topics that you're tackling? For example, maybe security. Bear with me on this one. It's going to take a couple of minutes. <laughs> Absolutely. So, yeah, take as know, much we, time as you need. <laughs> we still have Zigbee. That's its own working group. Uh, they're uh -huh. working on a new version for Zigbee R23 that's being announced today, I think. We mentioned Matter. And we have a data right. model in the middle. Like I said, we're sharing that data model. So there is a working group okay, that right. in the middle. It's mostly just governance to make sure we don't diverge and get out of sync in one place or another. So that's three working groups that are right. pretty central on the engineering okay. side of things. But then Matter was our solution for the interoperability problem. When we were at that Hive event a couple of years ago, looking at what mm -hmm. were the things stopping people from just running out and buying hundreds of devices to stick in their homes, Interoperability was the first one. The second one was, as you mentioned, product security, some device in their home being hacked such that they could be spied upon or that could be used to launch botnets. But over a year ago, we announced a product security working group. Uh, working group is just finishing the first part of their 1.0 process. They're right. validating a, a feature set. So later this year, hopefully, we'll be releasing a product security standard Okay. based on mostly external standards. So Etsy has a 303.645 standard, and NIST mm -hmm. has a standard for products. And we'll be adhering to those standards by having a certification program and a labeling program where consumers can look at our device, see the label on it, and say, yep, that meets the standard there. That's not to say it's an unhackable device. It's always an arms race in product security, but that it right. meets these sets of bars, the standard, does it have a well-known password that the consumer can't change? Well, that's not allowed, right? That's part of the Etsy standard. You can't do that. And, you know, and so that's one of our tests. You can't do that. Uh -huh. And then if you do that, you can't 
meet our standard. So it really is just setting the bar at a really nice high level um, so that consumers can be confident that, yes, it meets the bar. But then also ongoing, like if something goes wrong with your product and you don't meet the bar anymore, we can help you convey to consumers that you do meet the bar with this new version of firmware or something like that. So that's product security. And then the next one that stopped people from buying things is privacy, data privacy. Now you have right. some products yep. sending data into your network. What are you doing with right. that? Right. And so we have another working group that's based on data privacy. And that is literally just getting underway. We're running elections now for the leadership of that group. And I have visions as to what it would be. We, in a rough estimate of what we're planning on, it is basically like a nutrition label for what you do with my data once you have it. <laughs> that way, it's, it's apples to apples comparison of what you do with my data, not a 30-page legal document that no one ever reads. And there's be no way to compare one company's 30-page legal document with someone else's 30-page legal document for a, mm-hmm. a consumer. But if there's a nutrition label that says, I do X, Y, and Z with your data, and I will never do a, B, and C with your data, and now uh-huh. I can start to compare those with the same language to explain these things so that it's uh, really is an apples comparison. I shouldn't be saying apples. <laughs> uh, <laughs> a direct comparison from yes. one side to another in terms of what you can do or what the company is purporting to do with your data, and then also have a, a barcode to come back to more information deeper information that consumers might not be concerned about when they're in the store buying something, but, oh, let me scan the barcode now that I'm home and see some further information. Like, oh, there was a security breach two years ago, and here's how they mitigated that. So that's great. You know, that kind of information could be in a barcode. Do you have any questions on that, by the way? No, no. I think just that having a common language amongst almost 300 members now, is it over 300 members now? Right. And just, just to be clear, it is a separate working group. And so members okay. do need to opt in to, to uh, that, okay. that Got as it. a working group. Okay. And not all members have opted in. But you're right. I believe as head of technology of okay. this alliance that these are three cross-cutting technologies, interoperability, yep. product security, and data privacy. Right now, they have to be kept separate because they're all not done. You can't say company X, you have to commit to whatever we do two years from now on the privacy side. But once we're done, I believe that because we're member-driven, because we're consensus-driven, we'll have three good solutions across mm-hmm. the board, and then companies will be able to say, yep, I commit to all three of these, and now you can be really clear about what I'm going to do with your data, you can be clear about how I'm protecting your devices, and you can be clear about the interoperability promise that you have, that lowest level of do your devices work together. And those three right. things, I think, are extremely important to building yeah. up this IoT space, particularly in smart homes. Yeah, absolutely. And for me personally, you know, to your point earlier, I've been holding back a little bit just because of security and some of the privacy issues. I don't want the speakers listening to my, listening into my every conversation and broadcasting it and storing it God knows where. It sounds like there really is a plan or even you know, the beginnings of a plan in place for a kind of a consolidated security and privacy rules, you know, that as you know, when everybody chooses to be matter compliant, the consumer will know that, okay, these things are in place. Right. And just to be crystal clear, (laughs) there's still three separate tracks. So matter is not tied to these other projects, particularly. But in the future, when they're all done, and it might be three different logos, but they are three tracks today. But where you're going is these are three problems that people are concerned about in their homes. And yes, we are trying to solve all three of those problems to help people have confidence buying devices, putting them in their homes and using them. And I do still have two more working groups, too, to get back to that question. But yeah, yeah. 
if you have any more questions on privacy, we should clear those up. No, I, th- I think having that common rule set is so important because to your point is you go from company A to company B, they both claim, yes, we have this level of security, this level of privacy, yet they're saying completely different things in their documents or apparently completely right. different things in their documents. Right. That's, that's so, at least a problem description we're starting to dig into. So more working so, groups. Yeah. So with those three sort of cross-cutting technologies, we have three uh-huh. working groups focused on. We also have access control, which is not necessarily a consumer-facing technology, but is an interoperability and fragmentation problem that we're seeing okay. in the market. So we started a working group. Right now, most radios, in fact, all radios I'm aware of that are used in door locks are tied to a particular technology stack and a particular certificate. So any smartphone today that has two or three radios that can open up a door lock, they have to have two or three certificates and two or three technology stacks. That's a lot of engineering work to support basically just one user of the phone unlocking a couple of different doors. You know, that includes hotel doors, the instant keys, and those kinds of things. And so we're trying to simplify all that with a single certificate, single technology stack that can support multiple radios. That, like I said, is not necessarily a consumer-facing technology today, at least. Mm -hmm. It might be in the future. But that's another working group we've had going for over a year now as well. And they should have some announcements later this year, early next year as well. And then the last one, we already mentioned energy management. I'd just like to highlight energy management here. As far as these cross-cutting technologies, all sort of fits within matter. None of those new device types we talked about, vehicle chargers or water heaters, needs more security than a door lock does. But our newest working group is health and wellness. This one will certainly create matter devices. You know, if there's a new health and wellness device that's coming in your home, it will use the matter protocol. But... In order for there to be true hospital at home support on top of matter, we really need to solve a lot of other problems as well that matter is not looking to solve. You know, in the United States, at least, HIPAA compliance of data. If I'm talking right. to my doctor via video chat and he says, oh, I mailed you that thing to put on your finger. Can you please put it on your finger? It's going to send me data. That data has to be protected by HIPAA because it's about okay. telling me collecting data right. on my behalf. Right. It becomes my personal uh, medical know. data that they're taking care of. If I put something right. on myself, a Fitbit or some other health tracker, that's my right. own data. I'm collecting it myself. I can do whatever I want with that data, right? Okay. That's not HIPAA right. compliant, you know? But if a doctor's interacting with me, and that's where we would like to go with health and wellness mm-hmm. in the long run, we do need to solve a lot of other problems, basically privacy up to the HIPAA level. And other countries have different levels of HIPAA compliance. You know, I want to just say it's not US-centric. You know, it's a worldwide mm-hmm. standard that we're hoping to solve. And that's on the far end of the roadmap. And on the near end of the roadmap, we're really focusing on aging in place as something that we feel matter today, again, could solve, right? Your appliances, let's say your aging mother, I don't know if she lives alone or not, but if you're concerned about her during the day, you can basically keep track of her or better yet not keep track of her, right? Her home can just keep track and say, yep, she woke up on time. I don't need to tell Raymond anything. Yep, she's walking around just like she did yesterday. She opened the fridge. She made her coffee. Everything's great. You don't need to be informed whatsoever. Everything's great. But then as soon as she starts slowing down a little bit, maybe, or she's mm-hmm. fallen certainly right away, or she hasn't gotten up an hour later than usual, they can maybe send you a little notification saying, hey, something's amiss here. Maybe you should just text her, check on her, or do whatever you want to do with, with what the that right. level of concern is. And it is all those devices we already have in place, the motion sensors, the door locks, the, the appliances we right. talked about, all of that right. is how we we can get a lot of information on aging in place. And then like the example that some people keep mentioning me, if someone has fallen, they can't get up 
and have a smart door <laughs> right. lock when the emergency services on the other side of the door right. maybe unlock the door and not have them break down that door to get through those sorts of things. Again, a door lock mm-hmm. is something we already have. So, and there's the, it's increasing levels of care that, you know, early discharge or monitoring of glucose, uh, persistent mm-hmm. care. Yeah, the aging in place, that is brilliant. Yeah, just having the experience of my mom, she does live alone. Luckily, my brother's close, but to have the technology to be able to unobtrusively keep track of her. I mean, you don't want to put anybody in her house. But yeah, of course, at this age, we're, we're a little concerned at times. And she should have privacy too, right? You don't want cameras right. all over her house where like, oh, something's wrong. You pop on a camera, now you're spying. <laughs> this is much lower key than that. Right. Just notify me if something's amiss. And now with all these machine learning algorithms, they can do a really great job at detecting what is a meaningful discrepancy versus a non-meaningful discrepancy. That is brilliant. And once again, you have access to all these devices. They're already part of the matter ecosystem. So you're not requiring anybody do anything different. Simply, it's a service or it's something that you could offer as part of being matter compliant. Yeah, it's a new device type. It's a new feature that a device type can support. We're really excited about aging in place. And like I mentioned, your energy management and healthcare, those are two problems that governments are starting to face more and more around the world in different capacities in different countries, of course, but the energy crisis and then also the healthcare crisis. Right. And so it really seemed timely. So a good time for the Alliance to be thinking about these and in a place where hopefully with the ubiquity of matter, we can try to help solve those problems. Right. You've got, from what I can tell, pretty much every major technology company behind you in all this. I call it adoption promise of those companies is certainly what's given us as much of a voice as we have today. And then moving into these two particularly big problems that the world is facing, I think those two things together are really why it's just so important to get matter out there and to make sure it's Mm -hmm. well received and launches properly so that we can really start to go after those big problems the right foot forward. Let's take a look into the future. Our next question is brought to us by our sponsored partner, Texas Instruments, who is providing engineers with the right connectivity products for matter-compliant designs. Explore more from them by visiting mauser.com slash Texas-Instruments. So Chris, we've talked a lot about health and wellness, which once again, I think that's absolutely brilliant. We've talked about energy management. What other areas do you see matter making a real difference? One area that I'm pretty excited about is TVs and speakers, basically audio content, video content in the home. Right now, we do support TV as a device type. So you turn the volume up, turn the volume down, the basic remote control stuff, as well as play some content. You can envision that, especially with the interactions from doorbell cameras and white goods appliances, basically popping up Mm -hmm. on your TV and playing some pre-canned. Your washer cycle's done. It's like a notification. Audio or video. It's like a notification. But you can start to imagine that going in lots of other places as well. One example that someone asked me about, it was someone else's idea, not mine, but I adopted it because it's really cool. You go into a hotel and you see Mm -hmm. a a matter barcode and you scan that in your Netflix app. For example, Netflix is not a member, but some content provider that you're listening to on your phone. And then boom, that content starts playing on the TV. So you're logged in via that interaction, but then you automatically get logged out afterwards. I think that's one of the big reasons I would never log in on a nap on a TV screen in a hotel room because I know I would forget to log myself out (laughs) afterward. Who knows what purchases would happen on my account afterward, as well as like speakers themselves, right? Just playing content, speakers around your house, choosing which speaker to play this audio on as people move around the home. All of that are things that Matter could do. All of those speakers start to support Matter in terms of content. 
not on the smart side of the speaker in terms of the voice control, but on the content of what they're playing. I think that's a really rich area for matter to be enhanced into. Again, it's expanding what the smart home is. Today, mm-hmm. it's typically command and control device, you know, devices like door locks and thermostats. Um, right. I really think that sort of content and lights, I think, are going to fit into that content, too. As you move around the home, content will mm-hmm. follow you, sort of like the old Bill Gates home that he designed 30 years ago. Right. I remember that. You know, all that sort of stuff is, I think, becoming more and more possible now. And a ubiquitous standard like matter could really make that kind of thing really common. That's really interesting because it sounds like you're talking about taking your home with you from a content perspective. I mean, if you're going to a hotel, you're taking your content, whatever content you're watching in your house that's attached to various systems can go with you and you have complete access to it no matter where you are. You just reminded me of another, uh, cars is another one, of course, right? As I go yeah. to the car, the music should follow me to the car. My thermostat preferences can follow me into the car, those kinds of things, as well as showing that I'm not in the house anymore. So occupancy is information, like we talked about earlier in the energy management side of things. Interesting. I love it. Once the connection is there, all things suddenly become possible. Yeah, Bob Metcalf created Metcalf's rule, right, in terms of the value of the network, in terms of the number of devices, square the number mm-hmm. of devices. And so I think that's, you know, matter really starts to tap that potentially as you have a single ecosystem controlling all of the devices at home, or at least more and more devices connected onto a single network. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Tech Between Us. This podcast is part of Mauser's in-depth look at matter. You can explore our entire Empowering Innovation Together content series for videos, technical articles, and more at bowser.com slash empowering innovation. As the first company to provide a working demonstration of matter connectivity, Texas Instruments is at the forefront in providing engineers with the right products for their designs and development of the protocol. To learn more, visit mauser.com forward slash Texas dash instruments.